When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you want to learn methods to transform your life and actively grow into the potential you know is inside of you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm a psychedelic integration and transformation coach and breathwork facilitator, as well as an enthusiast of personal growth. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world. And there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn about new methods to bring into your life, give you practices to follow, and share stories from practitioners who are doing the work so that you can feel inspired to go and practice because that's the vital point. Welcome, friends, once again to the Vital Point Podcast. Podcast all about personal transformation, different methods, practices to try and to follow, stories about doing the work. The Vital Point is to practice, regardless of whatever method you are using. And so, Each episode, we focus on different disciplines for change. So glad that you are here today, whether you're watching live or on the replay. Appreciate your presence. This is episode 42. It is the season finale for season four and is tradition around here to do audience Q&A for the final episode of the season. Been doing that since season two. And today will be no different. Have some questions that have been collecting over the last week. And you're welcome to post questions uh, in the live as well. I wanted to start with uh, some news. And I suppose before that, just taking a moment to arrive is appropriate. Especially for me, because um, sharing this news, I feel some anxiety. I have some some fear coming up around it because this is the change to the podcast. And I just want to name that and take a moment to breathe into it. So I invite you, if you're listening along, as long as it's safe, you know, if you're listening in your car or jogging or something, um, (laughs) you know, please don't do anything unsafe, but go ahead and close your eyes if it's appropriate. Take a nice deep breath in and out. In again and out. And I invite you to connect to where you feel yourself grounded. 
For many, that will be your feet. But perhaps if you're sitting, you might feel connection to your chair, maybe in your back, your shoulders, or your butt, somewhere in your legs. Just taking a moment to feel into where that connection feels alive for you. And when you find it, just taking a moment to breathe into it. Just really giving yourself a chance to ground. All right. Thanks for being here with me. Uh, this is episode 42 and of season four. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter, and I don't have a guest today, as I mentioned. It's become kind of the tradition around here. So before I get into the audience Q&A, I just wanted to make some announcements about season five of the podcast, which I'm already planning. I've been planning for quite some time and the podcast moving forward. So if you follow this podcast uh, for a bit, you know that I have followed a process of recording live on Instagram. And there's been a few episodes that I broke out of that norm just based on scheduling constraints for the guest and really wanting to get that guest on broken that format done recordings via zoom but the main workflow of the podcast has been instagram and then distributing the audio out to spotify apple google and anchor And, you know, it's interesting that the way that I've broken up the seasons for the most part have been driven by changes and innovation within the the format. So what do I mean by that? The first season, albeit a short one, was when I was just recording into my phone. And that came to a halt when (laughs) I did an episode that was outside of my phone, had to uh, record on Zoom, and realized that the sound just wasn't that great. You know, on my phone, it was okay. You know, actually... Phones are one of the best little pieces of technology that we have nowadays. But when I realized, you know, how it just didn't sound good when it was outside of the phone, it spurred me to buy some equipment, buy a microphone and a little mixer. And that was the end of season one. Season two ended when I felt like I had painted myself into a corner by calling the podcast One Question Wednesday. 
And if you've been around for that long, for when the podcast was called One Question Wednesday instead of The Vital Point, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, you know, and when we started, it really was one question. I think the first episode was maybe seven or eight minutes. And then as I got more comfortable, as I started to understand what I needed to do and the way that I wanted to host the show, the conversation started getting longer and longer, started to stray out of the one question. And I thought, gee, why did I paint myself into this corner? And so I changed it. So that was season two. Season three, I probably could have kept going. I felt like towards the end, especially, I was really starting to feel a good rhythm, getting used to the new format, the vital point. And this last season, season four, I've really felt great about. I've had some great guests. I feel more comfortable. And I want to keep the seasons, you know, between 10 and let's say 15 episodes just to have some, you know, just to be able to break it up, to be able to schedule also to be able to take, you know, short breaks for myself. But something started coming up this season that started to make me question whether Instagram was the best format for the podcast and Instagram's great. You know, I have used the platform to, to grow the audience for this podcast, to grow the audience for my personal coaching and breathwork brand, Blue Magic Alchemy. But there were several times this season that I discovered that Instagram is just not the ideal format to record a podcast of about an hour or more onto. And it was great when it was, you know, seven to 15 minutes, but over time, the average length of the episodes has been continuing to progress. And specifically, there's been several times, including the last episode, where there were some technical issues with Instagram freezing up. And when I was just starting out, it was great. You know, I, my focus was just getting something out was proving to myself that I could do a podcast. But now that I have an audience and now that, uh, you know, things are progressing, I want to put some more care and some more attention into the podcast and really give you a quality product. And I don't feel that I can do that recording live on Instagram and rolling the dice that everything is going to work out with that, you know, technical issues on my side, on the guest side, on Instagram side. I don't want to do that. And, you know, recording live, don't really have the opportunity to go back and do it over again. So while Instagram live has been a great stepping stone, 
great place to train. This is going to be the last episode of the podcast for the time being that I'm recording originally on Instagram. And I'll be moving the podcast with video format to Spotify and also to YouTube. And I plan on taking the videos because the videos have always been available on Instagram. Some of them have made it to Facebook. That's been another thing, you know, depending on how they've like posted. Some of the episodes have gotten to Facebook. Some of them haven't. But my plan is to take all the videos and put them on YouTube as well, along with the new episodes so that if you're not on Instagram or on Facebook, you can easily find them all in one place. And saying that, I feel excited and I also feel a lot of apprehension and uh, some fear. You know, it's this is what I've become accustomed to. This is where I feel comfortable and I just want to make sure that it's the right decision. But, you know, having an episode start to break up in the middle of a really incredible conversation, uh, it doesn't feel good. And in fact, this last week, trying to post the videos from the last two episodes, which were uh, a therapist and a psychedelic integration coach, respectively, you know, Greg Lawrence and uh, Justin Martin. Instagram gave me a lot of trouble trying to get those episodes posted back onto the platform. And to me, it was like the universe telling me, okay, it's time to go. It's time to move on. And I think it's important to listen to those messages. It's also not lost on me that the Lionsgate portal just opened. And a couple of years ago, if you had said something like that to me, I probably would have laughed. But it's something that I've become a lot more aware of and in tune to over the past few years. I can feel the energetic shift and I feel why that's scary too. So, you know, this podcast started, it was a quick idea. It took me two hours from initial idea to first episode posted. And that was intentional because I started another podcast that never really did get posted for almost a year pr prior to this. And I just didn't want to let that happen again. And with that, I've been successful. Not only that, you know, we're on episode 42. We started the episode, uh, the year at episode 15. And my goal was to record 40 episodes this year. Now it's the end of July and I already have the majority of season five lined up. So I will definitely be surpassing that goal that I set for myself, which feels good. 
And it's just going to open up a world of opportunities, you know, not being tied down to the Instagram live format. Um, new guests, a different caliber of guests, I would imagine, you know, I've been talking with certain people and I can just tell from their reaction that, you know, IG live is not the sort of podcasting platform of choice. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to bringing back several of the earlier guests that supported the podcast in its infancy that put up with me when I was learning to host a, a podcast and would like to continue the conversation with them and deepen it and, you know, take it to the next level, take it into the next chapter. And it, it will also feel like coming full circle, I think, to me, because I've learned how to do this show better. I've gotten more clarity about what my message is and what I want to present. You know, even just having that uh, intro in the beginning, you know, methods for personal transformation, practices to try and follow stories about doing the work because the vital point is to practice. And I didn't have that clarity a couple months ago. And it's only been a few months that, you know, I've been asking guests when it's appropriate to lead practices. And that will continue. In fact, I plan on expanding that out even more because I want to give you, the listener, value. And I want to spark inspiration in you to go and practice, to try new things, to discover something that can literally transform your life. And I'm also going to be doing more solo casts and offering more practices uh, for myself as well. So I really appreciate your support up until this point. And I can easily say that if you've followed the podcast up until now, uh, it's only going to get better from here. So with that being said, thank you and transition into the Q and A. All right, let me, give me a second to pull this up. Uh, okay, so first question. Are you ever afraid before a breathwork journey? This is a great question and the answer is absolutely. In fact, I was afraid before I got on this podcast. I think it's natural to feel some fear before you do transformational work. And the reason for that is that most of the time, the, uh, the ego, the egoic mind, the thinking mind, is in control. It kind of runs the show. And in order to transform, we have to give that egoic mind a break, a rest. 
And the thing about the ego is that it doesn't really understand how to differentiate good or bad, positive or negative. What it's differentiating is, is this what I'm used to? Is this what keeps me safe? And so if we've created patterns and habits, as most of us have to some degree, of doing something to comfort ourselves that perhaps isn't in our best interest or isn't serving us the ideal version of us that we want to embody, then the ego is going to resist that. And especially when I have a strong intention or something that I really feel very called to work on, then yeah, there's a lot of fear that comes up. And yet it's kind of like going to the gym, you know, like there's <laughs> most days I have to drag myself to the gym. And it's getting better and better, you know, each day. But even on the days that I don't feel like going, I feel great afterwards, right? And so it's like, yes, okay, I'm glad I did that. So even if I feel afraid or if I feel uh, resistance to doing breath work or sitting with medicine, it always feels good afterwards. I'm always grateful that I showed up for myself. And that's something that within my breathwork container, I take time to acknowledge, you know, that we should be acknowledging ourselves for showing up for ourselves. We should feel gratitude and celebrate our growth and our wins. And so that's the flip side of feeling the fear is also, you know, hey, I showed up for myself. I did it. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to anchor that feeling in. So good question. Let's move on. Uh, so this is an interesting one. It's something I've actually been thinking about a lot lately and something that comes up I feel like fairly often that I get that I get asked. And the question is, have you ever encountered other entities during big journeys? So the short answer to that is yes. Now, the real question, the real debate about that is, well, at least to me, is are those entities something within me? something within the journeyer, the practitioner, or are you encountering other realms, other uh, entities outside of yourself? And that's where I think the real interesting, juicy part of this question actually is. And I would be lying if I said that I knew the answer.
you know, there's something in Buddhism about the, about non-duality, right? If you read the Heart Sutra, it says form is emptiness, emptiness is form. And so the two things aren't separate from one another. And I guess if I had to nail down, if you wanted me to commit to a solid answer to this question, it would be both. On a certain level, I do think that these entities are within myself. On another level, I don't. I think there's there's something outside of me. I've always been fascinated, though, about shared experiences in the medicine space. You know, how many people encounter the the elves on DMT or, you know, even that see similar geometric patterns or fractals. And I've always wondered, like, why that is. Uh, recently, on a recent episode of the podcast uh, with Katrina Michelle, we talked about, I, you know, I asked her that question, you know, as a, as a transpersonal psychologist, what her opinion was. And I really liked her answer, which was, you know, that we're getting this direct experience that we're not actually separate beings, that we're all connected and interconnected even though we have this illusion of, of separateness to go back to the original spirit of the question in terms of, have I encountered entities? The answer is yes. And I don't think that there's anything to necessarily be afraid about. If there is fear that comes up, it's okay to ask that entity, like what, what's your purpose here to be curious to ask what it wants. And if its presence isn't wanted, it's also okay to ask it to leave. The last thing that I wanted to say about this though, is I think that depending on what your belief is about entities, whether they're internal or external, I think that gives you a good idea of the type of facilitator and practitioner and integration coach that you want to work with, because I've certainly encountered, I, I know people that a hundred percent believe that any entities quote unquote that you encounter are fully, um, you know, a manifestation of your mind and of your subconscious. I've also talked to people, especially within the ayahuasca space that, you know, believe in, in witchcraft and believe that the part of the role of the curandero of the, of the, the healer and the shaman, the, the person holding the space is to protect the circle and protect the person that is taking the medicine from these outside entities that can be malevolent.
So I think depending on like where you fall on that spectrum, it can inform who you want to work with. You know, if you believe that there are these outside entities that are real, probably shouldn't work with somebody that, you know, <laughs> believes that it's all in your head and vice versa. So I think maybe just using that belief or that thought as a compass to who you want to work with, who you want supporting you. And also, I think it's healthy to keep an open mind. Um, certainly something that's served me well within the medicine space. Moving on, next question. How would one use the practice, in quotations, to best cope with a traumatic event? This is a juicy question. So I think to answer this question, I would start with what I believe the definition of trauma or a traumatic event is. And not just my opinion or my definition, but one that's somewhat clinical in nature. So trauma is something that occurs when our nervous system is overwhelmed, when it takes on too much, too fast, and the nervous system isn't able to absorb it. So our nervous system is, is you know, it's, it's elastic to a certain extent. On certain days, it's, you know, more capable, more resilient than other days. And there are ways that we can train the nervous system to become more resilient. You know, some of these practices are things that I work on with my clients. So there, the trauma is not really the event itself. It's how we react to it. Now, obviously there's some things that are going to be traumatic for just about anyone. You know, things like sexual assault, things like um, war and violence, unexpected car crashes, things of that nature. But even within like violence, so to speak, um, think about it. I would have more trauma from being dropped into a war zone potentially than somebody that has been trained for that, you know, a soldier and someone whose disposition and their nervous system is more resilient to that type of activity. So trauma is not this, static event. Everybody is experiencing it differently. So that's the first part of that answer. And with that in mind, that 
we all experience trauma differently and that trauma is our nervous system taking on too much too fast and not being able to hold it. The way that one can use the practice or practices to work with trauma is by taking it a little bit at a time. Taking a step towards the trauma and then reassessing each step of the way. Stopping before one is overwhelmed. And so one way to work with that uh, within the context of somatic practices is what's known as pendulation. So pendulation is the practice of pendulating, you know, think of a pendulum uh, between safety and danger, danger being the trauma, safety being the grounded regulation of the nervous system. And so there are resources that you can learn to feel more grounded, to call upon so that you can pendulate, so that you can work with more of that traumatic event and have safety to return to. And then over time, as you're building that resilience, as you're building an awareness that you're not in danger because to the body, to the nervous system, repeating something that has proven in the past to be dangerous carries that same lack of safety, that same amount of danger. Even if you're more equipped to deal with it now, even if you are not actually in a dangerous place. Let me give you an example from um, my own experience. So <clears throat> um, earlier this year, my nervous system was really dysregulated. And it got to the point where um, I tried to use cannabis and basically had a panic attack. And because of that, I stopped working with cannabis for <laughs> a time. But before I went through that experience of saying, okay, I'm done. I, well, when I had that initial like panic attack, it kind of left me in this really raw place. It left me really on edge and in my sympathetic. It's not like it really completed and so after that initial incident, I spent probably close to a week feeling really dysregulated and not being able to sleep and feeling really stressed out and letting off a lot of um, traumatic energy through different resources. And I remember sort of at the end of this, I wasn't able to sleep. 
hadn't been able to sleep for several nights and had always, you know, relied on cannabis as a resource to help me sleep. And I kind of threw up my hands and said, screw it. The worst thing that's going to happen is that I'm going to have another panic attack. The best thing that's going to happen is that I'm going to be able to sleep, but at least I'll figure it out one way or the other. Came in my room, used some more cannabis. Immediately, like I wouldn't say that I had a panic attack, but my heart rate shot up to about 160, even though I was lying down. And I spent the next hour shaking and releasing traumatic energy, um, really in fear that I was going to have some sort of a heart attack or, you know, but I was, I was there, I was resigned to it. There wasn't anything that I could do. And after about an hour, the, my heart rate went down, the shaking stopped. And that was where I said, okay, well, I think it's time to take a break from this and figure out some answers, you know, figure out some other solutions to the things that are going on with my health. And over the next several months, that's what I did. I spent uh, a lot of time, a lot of money uh, looking into different doctors, getting lots of tests doing cardiology tests, doing uh, endocrinology tests, uh, doing neurology tests, getting MRIs, getting CAT scans, getting EKGs. Where I ended up was talking to two people that I felt were helping me. One was a naturopath that said, yeah, I can tell that you're there's some sort of disorder in your nervous system and um, we can fix that. We can, we can do different things to work with that through supplements, through medication, through further testing, etc. And go see a neurologist as well. And then the other one was a cardiologist, um, like a cardio, uh, electrocardio specialist, not just a general cardiologist that said, you know, I think your heart is just out of shape and you need to get back into the gym and you need to start exercising. You need to do cardio. And that was really scary, but I started to do it. And as I started to do it, I started to notice that my heart rate, and this didn't happen overnight, but my heart rate stopped going so high when I would exercise. I started to notice that I would come back to regulation quicker. And sort of the last test of this theory to me was, you know, about a month ago, I decided to do an intentional cannabis journey. Again, to test the waters because things had gotten so much better through medication, through working with these different doctors, through um, working with a breathwork coach, uh, you know, and also a personal trainer. And I was like, okay, so here again, I have this opportunity to test this theory and either say, nope, I'm not ready to work with cannabis or other medicines at this point in time, or this is all in my mind. 
and my nervous system is much more regulated now and therefore I'll be able to handle this. Well, around the time that all this uh, stuff started happening, I bought this uh, a whoop strap, you know, so it tracks my heart rate, it tracks my sleep, it tracks my heart rate variance. And I found out something really interesting when I did that cannabis journey. My heart rate was the highest during the whole journey in the 20 minutes and especially the five minutes leading up to me actually ingesting the medicine. And as soon as I ingested the medicine, it did not go up. In fact, it stayed steady for a moment and then started to drop, which to me proves the point of my nervous system going, wait, what are you doing? This is, this is not safe. This is scary. And then, oh, wait, hold on a second. We're fine. We're good. All right. I can guess, I guess I can relax. And that's what I'm working on a lot with uh, the neurologist. So that's just an example from my own experience. So to answer the question, how would one use the practice to best cope with a traumatic event? Slowly, with support, learning resources to widen your resilience. You know, there's this term um, within talking about the nervous system, talking about trauma called our window of tolerance. When we stay within that window of tolerance, we are in a regulated state. When we start to go outside of the window of tolerance, that's when we go into a fight flight. And when we go even farther outside of the window of tolerance, that's when we go into a freeze. The window of tolerance is constantly changing depending on outside factors, factors in our environment, how we're eating, how we're sleeping, what kind of people we're around, how much other stress we've encountered during that day. So there's going to be days that are better than others. And there are ways to work with the nervous system to improve the window of tolerance, to improve our resilience so that we can work with the trauma that's stored within us better. So that is the answer to that question from now. I'd love to hear from you uh, if you have any comments or feedback about that. And especially since, you know, this is one of the things that I work on with my clients. So if it's something that resonates to you, something that you want to explore more, I'd love to talk to you about it. So last question for this show. Is there such a thing as showing up too often in our loving energy slash vibes. I've been thinking about this question all morning. Is there such a thing as showing up too often in our loving energy and vibes? So I think sort of to go back to the, <laughs> the Buddhist uh, example I gave earlier, you know, of non-duality, of form being emptiness and emptiness being form. I would say something similar to this question as well. 
I would say the answer is both yes and no, and it depends. And it depends on authenticity. It depends on where we're at. What we don't want to do is do something that's inauthentic to engage in some sort of spiritual bypassing or fooling ourselves into a false sense of compassion. Well, I think I should be acting this way. That's not going to feel good to your nervous system. Trust me, I, I know. Is there such a thing as showing up too often in our loving energy and vibes? No. Because I think the point is to always stay in a place of love, in a place of care for the other. We can always stay in that place of love. And we're also three-dimensional beings. We're also human. And we also need boundaries. So even though we can continue to show up with loving energy, there are times where we have to set boundaries and say, like, hey, I this is not what I allow in my space. The important thing for me is to remember that those boundaries are for me. It doesn't mean that I love that other person any less. And this is not something that I'm perfect at by any stretch of the imagination. But there's a, you know, there's a difference. I think the, the ideal for me is to walk the Bodhisattva's path. And if you're not familiar, the Bodhisattva is um, one of the paths within Buddhism of forsaking your own enlightenment so that you can help guide everyone else to their enlightenment. The Bodhisattva makes a vow that until every other sentient being has obtained enlightenment, they will remain in the world to support them, to help guide them, to be a lamp, forsaking their own enlightenment. It's a wonderful ideal. And yet, until we are enlightened, we also need boundaries. Bodhisattva ideal, three-dimensional reality as well. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. So when I got this question this morning, I was thinking about my, my Buddhist teacher, Garchen Rinpoche. And he, even though he's taught on hundreds, if not thousands of different teachings, and he is a Buddha, he teaches primarily, and he urges his students primarily to practice this little booklet called the 37 practices of the Bodhisattva. And, you know, he teaches that the entire path to enlightenment isn't, is contained in these 37 verses. And so when you look, especially within the middle section of the Bodhisattva practices, you know, it says things like 
Even if someone driven by great desire steals all your wealth or lets others steal it, dedicate to them your body, possessions, and all virtues of the three times. Even if someone cuts off your head when you haven't done anything wrong, take all their negative deeds upon yourself through the power of compassion. Even if others slander you throughout a billion world, worlds, in return, speak with the loving mind of their good qualities. Even if someone you have cared for as dearly as your own child regards you as an enemy, love that person even more as a mother would her ailing child. And it goes on and on like that. And that last verse is really important, I think, because even if someone you have cared for as dearly as your own child, and that's part of the Bodhisattva view is that all sentient beings have been your mother at some point. So there's that mother child love that mother child relationship. But even if that someone regards you as an enemy, love that person even more as a mother would her ailing child. So being able to see that if somebody is treating you as an enemy, is treating you with hatred or a lack of love and compassion, they have a sickness. It's not a reflection on you, but they're ill. And that you can continue to love them in the same way that you wouldn't stop loving somebody that, you know, had the flu or broke their arm or something like that. You know, you don't judge somebody for that. You, you care for them. You love them. And at the same time, you know, like, I feel like it would be inauthentic for me to say all that and not mention, you know, having boundaries as well. I read something recently that boundary something and I'm I'll probably have to paraphrase this cuz I you know I'm not sure if I'm saying it exactly right but boundaries are the length at which I can love you and also love myself. So it's important to remember that boundaries are for us not for the other person. And that compassion and love without boundaries can be toxic or be detrimental. It's not necessarily healthy. And so if I love you and I have boundaries as well, then I can continue to love you. I can uh, keep that relationship solid and pristine without it getting muddy within the three dimensions within my humanity. Because there's going to be times where I'm not perfect where, you know, I'm not, where I get angry or upset or, you know, don't live up to that Bodhisattva ideal. But the ideal is still good. And I, I, I think from that ideal perspective, there is no such thing as showing up too often in our loving energy and vibes. And yet, because we also love ourselves. Sometimes we have to put up those boundaries, set those boundaries. You know, my brother right now is uh, 
going through a lot of pain and suffering as an alcoholic. And he's said things that are hurtful to me, hurtful to my mom, hurtful to other people in our family. And I still love him. You know, I don't, I don't look at the things that he said and go, okay, now I don't love you. You know, I can still show him that loving energy, that loving vibe, but sometimes I have to put up a boundary and say, Hey, I, I'm not going to engage in this right now with you. Cause I also love myself. So great question to end season four of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Would love to hear your comments. Would love to have a conversation. If something that I said during this podcast struck a chord, you know, I am currently accepting new clients to my six month coaching container. It's a transformational container, helping men to do the work to figure out how to begin so that they can make the changes that they're being called towards in their life so that they don't just continue to sit in ceremony and then afterwards feel frustrated that nothing is changing so that eventually they don't even need medicine maybe maybe they do but not in the same way. They're not relying on the medicine as the solution to their problems. Because what I've found is that while medicine is very profound, it's very helpful. It's the things that we are doing outside of the medicine experience. That's actually creating change and transformation that we're being called towards. And it can be really frustrating if we don't know that, because we live in this wonderful time where there's never been more access to information and opportunities to heal, but we're not always given this very clear blueprint. And that's one way that I can support you in your transformation and your growth. So if you're interested in learning more about that, please send me a message. Uh, if you're following my Instagram, there's a link to set up a free discovery call through that. Love to chat with you a little bit more and discover if we're a good fit to work together. Also run breathwork circles, uh, two or three a month. So look out for those as well. Many of you I know have joined me already and continue to join. I appreciate you. And Last but not least, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave a review. Subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And I'm really looking forward to this next chapter. You know, not only am I moving platforms, but had a wonderful conversation recently with the podcast producer and she gave me some really great feedback and I plan on implementing that. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, even listening to this podcast, you might notice a couple of changes. 
And so I'm, I'm really excited about this next chapter. It was kind of scary getting here and it felt really heavy before I actually started. But now that I've spoken it into existence, manifested it into reality, I am feeling great. So be on the lookout for season five of the podcast coming soon. And until next time, my friends, remember that regardless of the modality that you're practicing, the vital point is to practice. You know, we don't get stronger reading about push-ups. It doesn't matter how many books you've bought or even how many books you've read. If you're not applying what you learned, what good is it? You can get all the courses. You can go to all the seminars. You can listen to all the podcasts. But until you apply that knowledge, it's not really worth that much, is it? So remember that the vital point is to practice. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I'd love it if you leave a review. Follow me on Instagram at Blue Magic Alchemy if you'd like to learn more about transformation, integration, and how to connect through coaching, breathwork, and meditation. Remember that regardless of the methods you're practicing, the vital point is to practice.